the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn hey, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm Eric Halaby. The total financial hour by myself, TFS Financial Insurance Services. Okay, I want to give you the number out here, real quick. Uh, because I, I tend to forget as we get rolling, and there's a lot of great information. We get into some details, so I don't want to forget that. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. And here's the idea behind uh, reaching out. If you have any questions, you have some concerns about some retirement issues, maybe even some questions that you say, "Hey, uh, you know, maybe you can help, Eric. Just a second opinion." Remember this, you're not, or you shouldn't be anyway, going to get a second opinion from the same person who gave you your first opinion. Would you ever do that? Does that not sound a little funny? Uh, I think it does, and I believe that it actually can lead you to make decisions that maybe, just maybe, aren't best for you. So get a couple of different ideas out there. One of those specifically is, in your case, of going out and managing your retirement life, your your retirement period of time, there's there's different people, there's different phases in your life, right? When you were working hard and saving for maybe your children or your grandchildren's college, when that was a big priority, you did things a certain way. Maybe you worked overtime, uh, you did everything, you, you scrimped and you saved. You had to get a certain amount to make sure your children could attend the college that they wanted to go to or that you wanted them to go to. Let's be frank, that's usually the case. Because for most of you, you know, the kids have no idea. They just say, oh, yeah, that's fine. I, I like that idea. It isn't until much later in life when all of a sudden they get to a place where they say, all right, now I, um, you know, these are my interests. Well, here's the important part. As you're building your savings and you're building your retirement, I want you to focus on there's multiple sources of income for you in that phase of your life. Number one, think of it this way. There's something called immediate annuities. So what is an immediate annuity? I don't subscribe to them as a one-size-fits-all. In fact, we very rarely use them. But I have had clients come to me and say, hey, I'm already using them, or this is absolutely what I need, or their situation uh, requires this to be brought up as an option. Okay, so what is it? It's where you give up a chunk of money, for the sake of argument, $100,000 to an insurance company, And in return, the insurance company gives you a guaranteed stream of income. Now, based on your age and interest rates, they'll say, okay, 
we'll give you $900 a month for no less than 10 years or the rest of your life. Meaning, if you pass away in eight years, your beneficiary receives payments for the next two, and then that's it. If you live 10, 11, 12, 13 years, you're still going to get paid. But after that moment of you passing away, there's nothing more that the insurance company is on the hook for. Right? So there's, there's a minimum guarantee. There's a period that it's certain to be paid out. And for some people, it works beautifully. But it is not the one-size-fits-all. And not only that, but a lot of times people think, because the old annuities were, I want a much higher payment. But if I croak in 10 minutes after my very first payment, nothing else. Well, okay, I guess those still exist. I'm sure they do. They're, they are things that we offer, and I haven't seen them for many years. But assuming they're still out there, does it make sense for you to do that? Does it make sense for you to go out and say, how do I create a source of income that's guaranteed? I don't care about my kids receiving any money. I care, in fact, about leaving them the house. All right, maybe. Or I have a life insurance policy that's paid up. That's what I want to leave my children. Everything else, all the money that's in my retirement account, my money to spend to the last penny. Now, if you subscribe to that idea, and I think that's actually a pretty good one, then let's think about this for a second. When a home passes from a parent to a child under current law, it is a tax-free transaction. Now, let me clarify. You're going to speak with your CPA, your tax advisor. That is not who I am in your life, nor do I play one on TV. But you do need to understand that, that there are some benefits that you may fall upon accidentally. Like, oh, I'm just going to leave my, my house to my kids. Well, that's probably a bit, pretty good idea, really. Because if you bought it for 45000 and it's worth $1 million, and you pass away, your kids act as if they bought it for a million dollars. They sell it the next day for a million dollars. There's nothing. No, nothing in, in income tax, okay? And that's the tax we're talking about here. There may be a state tax or maybe some probate fees, so you have to ensure you get a trust. You need to speak with your tax advisor. You need to speak with a trust attorney. These are important people in your life, especially as you acquire more assets and you get older, right? Because there are things that you're going to need. The second part that, that passes tax-free to your beneficiaries, including your spouse for that matter, but your children, is a life insurance policy. You see, your life insurance policy you've purchased with post-tax money. So if your premiums are $100 a month, you have to make $120, you pay the $20 in taxes, you get your $100, you buy your life insurance policy. And then forever, that million dollars or whatever it is that you give to your children, $500,000, is tax-free. Even though you may have only paid tax on a very small portion. You need to know this because I don't want you to fight to the death where you're eating pork and beans so that your kids could inherit your IRA or your your 401k plans and those retirement plans that are 100% taxable. Like, why would you do Don't leave the life insurance to a charity. Leave your taxable account to a charity. And then the nonprofit or the charity receives that money. That's wonderful. Thank you. But under current law, it reduces your taxable uh, income. So it's a net zero. And that's important because if you want your kids to inherit 100000 or a million or whatever dollars, 
then that's all you have to leave them as far as a house or, or life insurance policy because the rest of it is not a taxable event. Okay, these are important things because it removes... Are you ready for this? I don't care where you are, right? Lebanese grandmother's guilt, Italian mother's guilt, Jewish mother's guilt. Doesn't matter who you are, we've heard it. We've heard it all. It removes some of that guilt that you say, well... You know, I wasn't always there for my kids when they were younger. I want to leave them something. I said, well, your daughter's an attorney and your son is married to a physician. Uh, they have no debt, a big house in the hills. What do they need your money for? Well, you see, it's not about need, is it? It's the guilt. I divorced their father when they were young. I divorced their mother when they were young. I worked hard. I, whatever the story is, this is your one last hope to redeem favor, redeem self-guilt, and that is to leave something for your kids, whether or not they financially need it or they physically even deserve it. Because I've heard all sorts of stories. Yeah, my son lives in the basement. Oh, my son is 29 years old. I had this the other day. Son and his family lives with me. I go, what do you mean his family? Well, his wife, did. well, they're not really married. They just shack up together, and they have two children, and they live in our back bedroom. I go, both of you guys are in your late 60s, early 70s. Why are you still working? Well, because, you know, he hasn't paid anything. What do you mean he doesn't pay anything? Does he have a job? This is the highest income uh, job market ever. You're receiving income growth numbers that are off the charts, never to be seen in the, in the eight years of President Obama. Not on a consistent level. Never have we seen the job availability where people can go from one job and then get another promotion or work at another company and get a higher pay. Right? That movement is happening more than ever today. So when you tell me that you have a son or a daughter who's watching video games or sleeping in until noon or working at a fast food joint when they have a family responsibility, it's why these clowns will, will run around with these signs Nobody can live on minimum wage. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to go get a trade school. You're supposed to go get two jobs like I did. You're supposed to work, get better, study, get better, be worth more money, get better, now get paid more money. In that order, by the way. It's not pay me more money so I can figure out your job. No, no, no. And a lot of these young people think that the idea of you living with them is doing you a favor. They are gracing you with their presence. So, do they deserve to have a hundred thousand, a million? I don't know. My answer is probably not. Because if they disrespect your money while you're looking, while you're alive, what are they going to do when you're not looking? How much disrespect will they have to what you leave behind when they are not looking at you? when you're not looking at them, when you've passed away. So do I think you should leave something for your children? That's up to you. Do I think it has to be equal with three or four or five different kids? Heck no. No way. Doesn't mean you love them anymore. Write them a note. Take a letter. Seal it until I die. Don't open this letter, right? Because why would you leave the same thing to the daughter who's gone out and become a an attorney or a CPA or a business owner. And then the other daughter who 
fools around with whatever and sleeps around with that and, and has one or two kids from two or three guys. I mean, what is that? And you think she's going to value your money? Heck no. All right, so please be careful. I don't want you to sacrifice and to be chintzy on your retirement to leave money for those that are unworthy simply to answer a guilt that is, well, well, it's impossible to quench. You have to find another way to deal with it. It's never going to go away. These are important things, all right? Here's another source of income. A lot of people will go out and say, hey, I'm going to have bonds. Well, bonds can work for you. Just understand that when bond interest rates go up, the value of your bonds go down. All right, let me make it clear again. Are we at interest rate all-time lows or highs? We're, we're pretty low. I don't know about all-time, but we're pretty darn low. The lowest it's been in a very long time. So would you think interest rates are going to probably go up in the next 15 or 25 years of your retirement? Probably. So what happens to the value you have? Well, it can go down, doesn't it? Because it's like a teeter-totter. Think of it like a teeter-totter. On one side of it, as interest rates go up, the opposite side is called an inverse relationship. The opposite side goes down. So that's a big deal if you're trying to save. And now it's, it's like running in place, right? You earned some interest, but you lost some value. So you need to keep this in mind. What about rental property? We have seen time and again that people have built up a real estate portfolio. In, in fact, sometimes a very nice real estate portfolio. I met with somebody uh, just this week. They had four different rental properties. All of them but one is paid off. That's great. They're using the income to live on. And they said, you know, now that we're going to be retiring soon, their goal was to do a lot more traveling. And that traveling, so that you're clear, doesn't have anything to do with sticking around and changing out toilets and dealing with uh, neighbor disputes and problems that are happening upstairs and downstairs and problems, right? That's not the problem that they want to deal with in retirement. Their goal instead is to sell it, take the cash, put it in an instrument, a financial vehicle that can pay them for the rest of their life. So we use a lot of fixed annuities and fixed indexed annuities where the value can't go down, the interest rate is relatively stable, doesn't go away, and at the same time, they have a chance for some, some substantial growth, right? Six, eight, ten percent even, more. But they never lose their principal when the market declines. In other words, they want a secured and a guaranteed source of income. They're tired. They've, they've built their wealth. They bought the house for 110000 Today it's worth eight hundred. whatever that number is. They want to sell it. Yes, there may be some tax consequences. They're going to have to speak with their tax preparer, their enrolled agent or tax uh, CPA. They're going to go through that. And they'll say, okay, we're going to net X amount of dollars. What can you make sure from a net standpoint we never run out of money? So I'm going to give you some rule of thumbs here. Just some rule of thumbs. Some income, basically. If husband and wife are both alive and you are in your 60s, Okay, both of you are between 60 and 65 years of age. And if both of you are, are still alive, it's two people we're counting on, two lives, then 4.5% of what that number is is what I'd expect you to live for the rest of your life. If only one of you 
then 5% is probably a pretty good number. From 65 to 75, if both of you are alive, you're in that age bracket, I would say 5% is a pretty good number. In other words, you're going to withdraw five. So for every $100,000, it's $5,000 per year. You're going to earn some interest. You're going to earn some, uh, you're going to take some money out, plus, minus, plus, minus. By the time you get down to what's left, statistically speaking, you will have passed quite some time ago. <laughs> now, if you're older than age 75, then 5.5% if you're married, 6% if you're single. Now, look, I call these rules of thumb because you might be a little different. You might say, well, my aunt, my mom, and my sister all lived until they were in their ni late 90s or early 100s. And both of them, you know, all of them smoked and drank and cursed like a sailor. And okay, well then, maybe, maybe you have some of those longevity genes that we have to be prepared for, okay? So other times, you'll have to walk through this with a financial advisor or financial professional to see what works for you. But a lot of times, because they are building models where you can and do lose 15, 20, 30% or more of your money, they don't allow you to take out as much because if you are withdrawing money during a time when the market goes down or when it's been down for quite some time, then you can't take out as much. So that's why I'm always concerned. Putting retirement money that's supposed to give you a steady stream of income, putting that in a place where you could lose 40 or 50% or 20 or 30, that's a lot of money, guys. That's a big loss. And you don't want to have that loss at a time when you can't go back to work, you don't want to go back to work, you're tired of working, you, you, you've sold the rental property, so the goose laying the golden egg, this is it. You're not receiving a rental income. Now those dollars have to create a machine for you. Now if you say, hey, Arif, I'm going to play with 20% of the money or I'm going to gamble with 10%, all right, that's your business. Do what you'd like. But just don't think that in this story you're going to create multiple streams of income and part of that is, and don't worry, because when the market drops, I don't mind losing half my money because I'm going to take half of my paycheck and have it disappear. You wouldn't do that. Right? So, so that's a big deal. One of the other things that we're seeing is the Social Security, the delaying of the Social Security benefits. If you're under the age of 70, the reason that people would delay Social Security is simple. Every year that you wait, you have an 8% pay raise. 8 it's approximate, but that's a good number. That means if you didn't take out $1,000 per month, if that's what it was this year, and you waited one more year, it's now $1,080. And then the next year, it's about $1,165. So in other words, it's a compounding thing. It grows, and it's a dollar figure that is difficult to match anywhere else. So if you have other sources of income, other monies that you can go through, other monies that you can uh, live on before you turn on Social Security, those other monies, no problem. Then we use those other monies because an 8% gain in the market is a good thing. But once you hit age 70, guys, there's nothing more you can receive from it. Whatever it is at that number, it stalls, it stops. So don't think that you're going to continue to receive that, that growth after age 70. In fact, I met with somebody just the other day and she said, 
yeah, my husband is not even turning on his social security. I said, well, why not? Well, because he, he expects, now they're both are about 3000 a month. She said he wants it to go up a little bit. I said, well, you realize both of you are in your early 70s. When one of you pass away, you're going to lose that 3000 So you lose the lower of the two. So from an income standpoint, from a strategy standpoint, you have to look at your numbers and say, well, what if I die? My husband, my wife receives only the higher of the two. That's important because they're going to, <laughs> you, you have to have collected that money for a long time. Usually, and here's the numbers that, that we use as a rule of thumb. If you start collecting at age 62, generally speaking, about 20 years is your break even. So if you live past age 82, then it was smarter to have waited till age 70. Okay, then you should have waited to age 70. Now you reach age 82, 83, 84, you actually have a higher payout because the difference between waiting from age 62 and the gain of uh, you know, 50%, 40 50%, whatever it is, at age 70 is a much higher number for you. So that's a, that's a real concern because retirement income... Now, look, in your first year, if you made a mistake, if you went back to work, if you got rehired, in your first year of collecting Social Security, you can go to the Social Security Administration, stop and say, hey, guys, I changed my mind. I'm 64 years old. I decided I want to wait. They said, no problem. You get one do-over, one mulligan. Come in. Return all the money that we've paid you. Then we act as if it never happened, and you continue down the road, and you can turn it on. You have one more chance to turn it on, 67, 68, 69. Whatever you want to turn it back on, you can. But you only have during the first 12 months. After that, you can't. So if you've turned it on and you go, gosh, I think I made a mistake or gosh, you know, I just inherited money and I don't need the Social Security. I prefer that it grows at 8%. Then you walk back into Social Security's office and you say, hey, guys, I'd like to restart this. What do I have to do? And they'll tell you, hey, you're going to have to repay it. Hey, you're going to have to, uh, you know, send us the money back, et cetera. They'll, They'll give you the rules, the things to do. But it's that 12 month window. Okay. Look, we're also finding a lot of people are using things like dividend income funds. I want to encourage you to meet with somebody who is a professional. If anybody on the radio, TV, your neighbors, cousins, anybody tells you, I'm an expert. I say, great. On what? Well, I'm an expert on income funds and REITs, which are real estate investment trusts. I'm an expert on stocks and aggressive growth and international and bonds. I am a financial planner. I'd say, great. So what are you good at? And they'll say, well, I just told you. But what are you great at? Because here's my argument. You can only be great at one thing. You can't be great at risk and safety. Those are two different things. You can't be great as a fast food uh, connoisseur and, and a Jack LaLanne fitness instructor, right? Those, are, those don't exist in the same universe. There's different skill sets. I'll give you one more because you need to understand this. You've probably heard me talk about this before, but if you are driving from here across the grapevine out to Fresno and you're going up that hill and down that hill and you take your car to the place that has always fixed your oil, you know, changed your oil, great guys right on the corner. They do it in a jiffy. They're good people. They're quick. And you say, hey, guys, uh, you know, I'm, you're awesome at changing oil. 
trust you. But here's the thing. I need you to fix my brakes. I'm taking my family, the most precious possessions in the world to me, over this hill and down this hill. We're going to have to be very cautious. We're going over some some, uh, steep hills, middle of the night, cliffs on both sides. What do I do? They'll say, ah, listen, we change your windshield wiper fluid. I fix your, your oil, change your oil, and I am going to fix your brakes. Now, look, do you want that person fixing your brakes, or do you want somebody who does it all the time, every week, multiple times a week? In fact, I would even say, I don't want to go to somebody who just fixes brakes, but if I have a Japanese car or a German car or, or an Italian car, I want a person who fixes that car all the time, that model, that style. Because this is not a place I'm going to cut corners. Well, folks, this is your retirement income. This is not a place you can cut corners. So it was nice that that broker brought you through to retirement because they took risk because your food, shelter, clothing came from your job. And your retirement accounts can go up and down and do crazy things. Today, your food, shelter, clothing in part or in in whole needs to come from your retirement income and your savings. And that cannot come and have an up and down movement. All right. Stay with me. We'll be back in just a minute. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. We'll continue on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby on AM870. Now Arif has a plan for me. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total financial. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me and those of you just joining me. My name is Eric Hallaby, Total Financial Solutions. Total Financial Solutions uh, or Total Financial Safer Money Hour. We're here every week at this time talking about your family's finances. TFS Financial Insurance Services. Our, our company's job is to give you a reliable retirement income where we don't have to worry about what's happening in China or the Democrats or Trump or, or the uh, economy. or we, Our job is to keep things simple, easy to understand. Because one of the things that happens in retirement is that I think for most of you today, you're probably going to spend more money than when you were working. The traditional financial planner role says, oh, you're going to spend 80% of your money. I think something like that is so ridiculous that everybody who says it, that's a professional, knows that it isn't true. And yet they say it. it it's like repeating a lie. You know, the 72% of income, women make 72%, whatever, right? Or global warming. It. I remember in the 70s, remember when it was global cooling? I have a Newsweek article. I keep it on my wall. Because it it helps me avoid from running down the world of hysteria every time the, the latest killer bees. Remember killer bees coming up from Brazil, up through Central America? Killer bees in the 70s by 1980. And then it was global cooling. Remember that? Global cooling. The growing regions are going to shrink. Mass famine across the world. Can't grow crops north of Colorado. Oh, my gosh. Today, it's global warming. And then that didn't work, so now they had to change it to climate change. They'll change it to something else soon. So my concern is this, guys. There may be some things happening in that world. And some of you may spend less money in retirement. Right? Everybody's a little different. But I want to give you some things that I think you're going to spend more money on in retirement. Because I think it's a bit of a myth. Because I think, one, you're aware that you're closer to the end of your days. And you want to start seeing other people enjoy some of your money. 
you come to a realization that, okay, I have enough that's going to cover my health care, it's going to care, uh, cover my needs, my home, food, shelter, clothing, all of those things, right? But what about something like travel? Because you didn't travel, but once a year when you were working, maybe if you were lucky, maybe twice. But usually what happens when you retire, you're going to travel. Now, that just means you're going to buy restaurant food, which is much more expensive than buying at your local grocery store and preparing it yourself. That means you're going to also, when you travel, spend money on airline tickets and hotel rooms. You already have a home. You already have a car, probably paid for. So why are you going to spend money on another mode of transportation and another accommodations? Well, because you're going to travel. So whether it's a weekend getaway and you might be driving your automobile too, but in most people's cases, certainly the first five years, maybe 10 years of retirement, those are what's called the go-go years, right? It's been coined as the time when you get in your car, you, you get in a plane, and you're going to do. You've got a checklist of things to accomplish, and you will get those done. So here are some things that I want you to do to make it affordable. Make sure you don't compromise on your future goals, first of all. Living for today. People are living longer. Remember ovarian cancer, breast cancer. That was a death sentence just 30 years ago. Today, people are recovering from that. And they're living a fulfilled life. Right? We have to think twice about this. So adjust your income and your expenses to make room for regular savings. So you might want to still spend money on travel. That's fine. But every time you have a check come in, whether it's pension or social security or your required minimum distributions, I still want it to come in the front door and save a part of it into a savings or an emergency account. Now, you might also say I'm going to still save it into a travel fund. That's fine. I told you we have uh, before we've had clients that they save a part of their income into a travel account and they go to their, their local travel agent, they lay out different brochures, and they decide where they want to go. Okay, we're going to go to Brazil. They spend the next six weeks planning the trip, eating Brazilian food, learning some of the language, some of the culture, where do they want to travel when they go there, spending time learning and immersing themselves. Well, you know what the cost will be because you're going to plan it mostly ahead of time. And then when they return, they said, okay, now we want to go to Australia. We're going to learn about the, the culture, the area, the places to go, all the things that, that are, make Australia special. So as that happens, there's a cost. You know what it is. Set it aside each and every month. I don't want you to pull from your uh, other savings, things that are going to generate an income for you later on, just to live for the next few years, because statistically you'll probably live 20 or 30 years. Okay, so just make sure you plan that out. Traveling can be a beautiful thing, whether it's luxury cruises. And I want you to consider that. You see, there's a reason that cruising, you know, used to be called God's waiting room. I don't know if you ever heard of that. <laughs> you know, the lobby, God's lobby. Uh, well, because uh, senior citizens want to have the time. Who has the time to take a week off of work? When you're working and you have multiple children and, and expenses and bills, it's difficult. Take it from me as a guy with three kids. It is. Saving for college and planning this. and So there's a problem in your life that uh, when you're working that you have to solve. And that is usually day-to-day -day living. But when you're retired, kids are on their own. If you did your job right, they're out. They're doing their thing. 
grandchildren. They're out doing some clients that will actually take grandkids on a cruise every year, every couple of years when the kids reach a certain age, 15 years old in this particular case, they take just by themselves because they have a lot of grandchildren. They take one of them just by themselves and spend a week with them. And that's kind of fun. Sometimes it's cruising. Sometimes it's Disney World. One of them really liked national parks, so they spent some time in the national parks. Well, you're not going to be able to do that when you're 87 years old. It's difficult to get around. So you do a lot of these things when you're young. But that means those dollars are spent and cannot come back. So spending that money on retirement is understandable. But just have a backup plan. Something else you're going to probably spend more money on is utilities. Because remember, most of you weren't home all day long. And you probably get a little colder or a little warmer. And you're going to want the air temperature, right? You're less likely to have to compromise to whatever the rest of the office's uh, temperature settings are currently. Right there, you would bring a sweater. Or you would take the sweater off, whatever the case might be. Here, now you're at home, you can adjust your thermostat any way you want. And if the TV was used to being on one or two hours a night before you went to bed, and now it's on... 12, 15 hours a day, chances are your utilities could be kind of high. Listen, the older you get, if you don't force yourself into a socialization, then the walls of your home become prison. Right? People, uh, seniors develop that, uh, what is it, agoraphobic, where they don't like crowds. They develop the ability to, to have a reason or an excuse to not go to family affairs. And that is a dangerous thing because you're still young in your 70s. You should be out and about. Right? My father-in-law is 91. Still drives. Still flies a plane as a pilot. Now he has a a co-pilot that's uh, much younger in his 60s. You know, the little private plane. So he kind of keeps an eye on things. But by and large, my father-in-law does most, if not all, of the the flying and, and... uh taking off, landing. I mean, he's an experienced pilot, loves what he does. It's probably part of the reason that his mind is so sharp because he's always out and about. And so keep in mind that this is an important thing. Your utilities will probably go up because you're home. Okay, you're simply using the utilities more. Okay, what about moving and relocating? You guys have heard me beat this to death here. Every time I turn around... Our clients are moving, whether it's Arizona or Nevada or Texas or Washington or Idaho. Now, lately, a lot of people moving to North Carolina. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a little bit of a spurt, if there's something going on there, but that seems to be a place. And a lot of them are political refugees. Now, you guys forget about this, right? In the old days, it used to be right called the Soviet Union. You would flee because your beliefs... Not even your actions, but your beliefs, your thoughts, and hold on to your shirt, your words would offend the status quo. And so people would not feel comfortable and they would leave. And in fact, they would receive asylum right here in the United States. Professors, scientists, a lot of people. The United California today, we have a supermajority in the state, 100%. of the state's problems belong to one political party. Now, if it was a bipartisan thing, if the governor was one and the legislature was somebody else, they both had to compromise, then you could throw blame around. I'm okay with that. 
But when the Republicans in this state are merely wall decorations, right, that make noise now and again, they don't have a job. Oh, yeah, I object. Okay, next, we're going to do it anyway. Next. So unless you're going to vote in more California Republicans, what do most people do? They say, you know, this political uh, state, they ban my plastic bags, my straws, my lids. They let, they, you know, they walk over three homeless people to give a guy a ticket for drinking, you know, with a straw. <laughs> right? You say, how, how politically backwards is this? They'll say, oh, you can't have a plastic bag unless you want to pay for it. Uh, well, um, how, how am I supposed to get my groceries? Well, you have to bring your bags. Well, doesn't that mean that I have to wash my bags? Because any organic matter that sits in the bottom of that bag in the dark, dusty, moldy, could maybe just maybe cause sickness. And and so I have to wash them. But wait, doesn't that use water? Yeah. But we, but we saved a plastic bag, a turtle and... You know, Taiwan is not going to be choking on your plastic bag. Gee whiz. And so what, in in fact, happens on the other side of this, right, is is now you walk down the street and you start saying, man, there's nobody who thinks like me. Everybody calls this normal. It's like the king has no clothes. You're the only one who can see that the king doesn't have clothes. But my goodness, everybody else is afraid to say something. So you become a political refugee. People move. Now, are they poor people that can afford to move? or middle-class and wealthy people. Ding, ding. You got it right. Middle-class and wealthy people. Because if you're really broke, this is a pretty good place to live. And by the way, you're just sacrificing some of your values. For food? They used to do that in the Soviet Union, right? Re-education camps. They do it today. They do it today in China. The Uyghurs. Re-education camps. You want to live? You want food, shelter, clothing? Change the way you think. Change what you believe. What's the difference? So keep this in mind. A lot of you that want to leave, that costs money. You sell your house, you lose 6%. By the time you add fees and other things, it could be as much as 7 or 8 or 9, probably 10. Now you have to move. If you're moving an entire home, you're probably looking at another twenty or $30,000. So there's a lot of money involved in moving. Now, you might say, I'm going to keep my house here. Okay, well, that saves you some money. But what I am going to do is spend my time in another place. Maybe you downsize. Maybe you keep your home as a rental property for the time being. You're not sure if you're going to like it in Henderson, Nevada. I'm not sure you're going to like it in Plano, Texas. But maybe you do. So before you move, what do you do? You, you keep your home. Well, there's still a thing you have to pay for storage, storing your stuff, driving it across the country. These are very important parts to what this, this part of your life is for. I had a client who moved uh, from the valley up to central California. And here's what they did. They sold or gave away everything except personal pictures and, and even most of their clothes. And they had the funds to just start over. And they said, this is going to be our life now. It's a great thing to do if you can afford to do it, right? A lot, of, a lot of people do that. Hey, listen, another thing that we're starting to spend money on is fitness. People, seniors, are some of the fastest growing group of folks that are hiring personal trainers. Isn't that a fascinating? Now, they may not be a personal trainer like Oprah comes to your home and and you have your private chef cooking your egg whites and, and broccoli. Uh, you don't have 
you know, somebody who's whispering in your ear, run, run, run. But they do have a personal trainer. They have extra money to hire somebody three times a week, every day, four days a week, six days a week. And some of you are actually getting in much better shape today than you've ever been in. And that's a problem because it costs money to be in shape. It costs money for you to look good because, believe it or not, you're going to want to buy new clothes. Believe it or not, you're probably going to want to go out more. Now, listen, I'm being a, a little bit facetious there, but keep this in mind. Those are good things, but they do cost money. This is not a one-way street. So I do want you to get fit, right? I'd prefer you get fit, but it also means you're going to live longer, most likely. Whatever problems come along, you'll probably be able to handle them a little bit better. You'll probably be in a position to get to your weight goals, your energy. Now, now, hey, we get to travel. Hey, I can't wait to travel. Why? Because I don't have to be winded walking up and down steps. Now I can walk Machu Picchu. So a lot of this is changing. About 53% of Americans that are retired participate in some sort of regular physical activity. That's a huge number, guys. Half. So I'm very happy for you. You're not going to have a washboard abs probably anytime soon. You're not going to be, uh, you know, your wedding weight or the, the true weight that's on your driver's license, right? Some of you know I was a Los Angeles policeman for quite some time. And, you know, I can remember looking at people's driver's license when you were giving them a ticket or you're asking for ID. One, the picture was so old. Like, really? This could be anybody. And two, height and weight is also pretty old. And I remember going, this is so not them. What is, okay, what is your real height and weight? Right? Everybody wanted to be an inch taller and 20 pounds lighter, it seemed. That was kind of the norm. Look at your driver's license and see really what it's about. I always thought that was funny. All right, here's another thing. Some of the day-to-day expenses, right? When we talk about things that you're going to do, it's grabbing that cup of coffee. It's going out and about. Meeting every Thursday with your buddies for breakfast when before you used to eat breakfast at home. It means going every Sunday or Saturday on the motorcycle ride with your friends or playing tennis. Right? The activities, not just the physical activities, but the social gathering that's a part of it. Right, buying a drink or two instead of waiting till Saturday. Maybe you might have a drink on a Thursday or a Tuesday. These are things that happen multiple uh, parts, if you will, of your life. Because here's the big deal: your friends at work are busy. They're still working. They're ten years younger. I need you to have a social fabric. That might mean, as I covered last week, going to a different community. Right? I've talked about Del Webb or Trilogy communities. And others, 55 and older, where there's a social network kind of built in. People of similar likes. People of similar age and physical abilities. Similar phases in life. Right? If you look at the, the one of the biggest problems for people that retire young. Right? A lot of people that get to the age of, let's say, 45 and they were financially able to retire. And they look around and they ask their friends, hey, what are you doing this weekend? They're like, I'm working. And they ask you, what are you doing this weekend? You say, well, I'm thinking about heading to Europe for a few days. Well, okay, they're still working. They're 45 years old. Well, folks, that doesn't change when you're 65. 
You may have done well financially, and when you look left and right, your social fabric from work or even your friends of a similar age may not be of a similar financial means. So your ability to continue to travel or to work outside of that, maybe you got to find new friends. Maybe you have to be in a place where you expand your social network. Okay, because things like, oh, you know, every, I, I cover lunches. It used to be $5 for breakfast, $10 for lunch, $15 for dinner. That's what it used to be for years. Now what is it? I took my wife to breakfast the other day. It was $27 for two of us to have breakfast. That wasn't dinner. That was breakfast. 27 That was a lot of food. We enjoyed it. That's nice. But 27 bucks, guys, for two people to have breakfast. I don't know what lunch would be, but it has to be 40 35 $40, $50. A nice dinner at a nice restaurant, nothing too fancy, not black tie. You're probably at $80, $90 for two people. Add a glass of wine, tip, dessert, something, eh, $100 bill. So if you're doing that more often, you have to have the funds. And I would prefer that you do it because remember, if the goal was to protect money for your children, grandchildren, I'm okay with that. Just make sure you do it with real estate or life insurance, primarily. Now, if you don't have those things, okay. But if you do, because that's a tax-free transfer, remember, you're going to check with your CPA, your situation, your tax preparer, what your uh, current scenario is like. But I don't want you passing on retirement accounts to your children and life insurance to your charity. Forget that. It's the opposite. Okay, so, so keep in mind that if the idea is to give some money to your nieces or your nephews or your children or your grandchildren or your friend's children, whatever it is, that's fine. But think about this in a second way. And then that allows you to spend the money that you have for what you want. Okay? Then it allows you to enjoy your life. Okay, here's another thing that we're finding. A lot of seniors, I've talked to you about the house kind of caving in on you, those four walls becoming that prison, if you will. Today, where you can order online, this all started years ago with the Home Shopping Network and the shopping clubs and all of that on TV, where people could call up and listen to those ladies and the gentlemen. Uh, oh my gosh, this bracelet is beautiful. It will make you feel. Well, when you feel like crud and you're sitting in your house coat, or your pajamas, and it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Your hair is a mess. There's dishes in the sink. And somebody comes on who looks dolled up to the nines. And all she's talking about how much this bracelet is beautiful, and it makes her feel this, or this gown, or this dress, or the, whatever. I mean, you get the idea. And you go, gosh, I want to feel that. I want to look like that. Well, that was back then. Today, it still happens. But today, it's the Internet. I can go on to Amazon and in 24 to 48 hours have almost anything I want. I need a new set of tires ordered. <laughs> I, I need to get it ordered. I want to buy a house ordered. Let alone, do you want your favorite fast food restaurant, Grubhub or Postmates or what, one of those things? Delivered. Right? Order it. Go take a shower. Brush your teeth. Come out. And it's there. You have to get up out of your that prison. You have to force yourself. Otherwise, the debt, which is one of the biggest issues for seniors, 
just in 2016, the total debt was up to somewhere in the neighborhood of 31000 per senior. Today, maybe it's more. Because we get a gift, right? We order it, we feel good. We get it delivered, we feel good. When we don't use it, we feel bad, so we donate it, so now we feel good again. Right? There's a few highs that come through this process. You've heard me talk about it. We had an acquaintance of ours who uh, used to order purses. That was her thing. She'd order purses, and her husband said, listen, you have enough purses. Why do you keep ordering purses? Why do you keep having these purses? She said, well, you know, I need them. Blah, blah, blah. Well, she felt good ordering them, but then she would hide them in the closet because he, he got mad. So she'd hide them in the closet, and here's what took place. The guilt, the shame, because even if it was behind the closed door in the dark, she still knew it was there. So then she would get up the courage and she'd donate him to a women's shelter, a domestic violence shelter, and she'd feel good again. Rinse, repeat. Right? She'd do it all over again. So if you're somebody like that, you gotta you got to stop this. Because as a senior, debt is going through the roof. Credit cards are some of the highest risk. Okay, last thing that I want to cover, charitable giving. I've touched on it a little bit. Consider charitable giving as part of your legacy. I don't know if the days come when you need to give your kids everything. Maybe. I I think those days have passed. You've provided them an opportunity. You've provided them freedom in a country that is incredible. You guys travel around the world just for 10 minutes and see. You'll come back and kiss the ground. You'll come back and think with all of its faults and its flaws. The United States of America is an amazing place to live, to retire. Listen, the government of California is temporary. They're going to run this place into the ground and they'll eventually be gone, chased out on a rail, as they used to say. And we'll have to rebuild. It will be painful. It will be costly. But we will rebuild. But you need to keep this in mind. Charitable giving, that's part of your legacy. So get involved. Get involved this political season with profits and nonprofits. Get involved with charitables and consider leaving some of your legacy, some of your money behind. Thanks for being with me, guys, this Sunday. I appreciate you always sharing your afternoon or your morning with me. Arif Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. This is AM870 The Answer. Hey, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Have a blessed day. Strategy.